Praise the Lord. God bless you. If you would turn with me, please, to the book of Numbers, chapter 21. Let me read just a few verses. Numbers 21. Verse 5, and the people spake against God and against Moses, wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the Lord came to Moses and said, We've sinned, for we've spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Lord, I ask you to bless your word tonight. I ask you to help us to grow in grace in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. A little, a little family business. Please remember to pray for Sister Christian, who is having some difficulties also, Kristen Howell has a bad headache tonight. Um, pray for the newborn little baby and to the Cessna family. That's a lot of fun. But we've got a we've got a message early Monday morning that Brother Buddy's father has passed away, and then this morning Beth McMillan's mother passed away. So. We're going to a community called Ball, Louisiana. We'll be there tomorrow and Friday for a viewing and funeral, and then we will light out of there for Jackson for another viewing and funeral Friday and Saturday. And in the middle of all that, there's a tropical storm hitting Louisiana, and it's supposed to get pretty invigorating. So if y'all would pray for us, I would appreciate it. We're going to go in my truck. Maybe it'll weather the storm better. Sister Grant doesn't like to drive in the rain. And so just pray for us. Brother Ashcraft will be here this Sunday, and uh, we'll have good church. And both of these, Brother Buddy's dad and best mom, have had Alzheimer's for quite a while. It's not... It's not a surprise, and they're better off, and it's the mercy, the mercy of the Lord. But it's still, it's still very sad, and you're never, you're never ready for that. And I know you understand. The verses that I just read to you, I don't really know what these fiery serpents were. Do you know what they were? I've never really researched it, but probably when they bit you, it probably stung like fire, and it would kill you because it was fatal. 
So I know it wasn't a good thing. Maybe they were like coral snakes and looked like fire. Don't really know. And I don't want to I don't want really to teach about the fiery serpents tonight. I only said that and read those passages because you would think that if the Lord wanted the children of Israel to be a great and a mighty nation, how can they how can they do anything for God when everybody's squabbling? Everybody give me a big smile. We don't have any squabbling, squabbling going on, but just in case we have some. We don't have any, but you, know, you never know when to have a good squabble. But the Lord sent these fiery serpents because the, the people were complaining, and they said, there's no bread, there's no water. We hate this light bread. I thought there wasn't any bread. You know what they didn't like? They didn't like the manna from heaven. Wow. I hope we never get tired of the manna that God shares with us in his presence. I hope we never get tired of that. But they're they're complaining and whining until God started killing a bunch of them. Then he told Moses, get a pole, put a snake on it. And I, I don't know, but that may be that may be why we still use that symbol for medical. That may be where it came from. But the people were healed when they look at, looked at the serpent on the pole. Now, let's stop and see where the church is. Just had a big fight. Everybody's mad everybody. Everybody's complaining. Don't like the bread. We had muffins with mom, and nobody liked it. Donuts with dad. Nobody liked it. Tired of this. Having a big deal. But did you know that in, in all of this, several of them died. But in all of this, 12 verses later, same chapter, 12 verses later, the Lord gave them a huge, huge victory over their enemy. It's a whole lot better if we're all getting along. God can do whatever he wants to. You can be acting like a nincompoop. I hope that's not a bad word. I've heard that a long time. Nincompoop. Or goofball. And the Lord in his divine mercy can absolutely have his will and and have his way. Twelve verses later, and here and here's how it went. Verse 21, and Israel sent messengers unto Sihon, the king of the Amorites, saying, Let me pass through thy land. We will not turn into the fields or into the vineyards. We will not drink the waters of the well. But we will go along by the king's highway until we pass thy borders. They're saying we're not going to use your water. We don't want your food, your grapes. Any, we just want to pass by. We just want to go by. And Sihon, who was the king of the Amorites, said, no. I was really tempted to scream no then when I thought of that. Because it's so much fun to see people startle because they're not listening to you. <laughs> but I don't do that. And Sihon would not suffer Israel to pass through his border. 
But Sihon gathered all his people together and went out against Israel into the wilderness and came to Jahaz and fought against Israel. All they wanted to do, they just wanted a little temporary right away. Let me ask you something. Do you think that the Lord already knew that the king of the Amorites was not going to let the children of Israel pass? Of course he did. <laughs> Why would he send the poor little children of Israel to this old meanie bag king who's going to try to kill them? Have you ever been in a situation like that? Have you been in one lately? I just can't believe the Lord let this happen to me. And sometimes he does let things happen to us. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Well, if you're ordering my steps, what am I doing with this bunch of kangaroos? Because that's where he wanted you to be. He wanted you to be those kangaroos so they could jump up and box you and kick you until you get in the position that he wants you to be in. Well, the Lord love me. He does love you. Brother Carlton Watkins years ago went through terrible, terrible ministerial situation. Was it Columbus, Georgia? Columbus, Georgia. He came back a broken man. <laughs> years later, I asked him, I said, well, what's that about Columbus? He said, I've come to this conclusion. God did not send me there to build a church. He sent me there to build a man, and I was the man. God's interested in developing, in developing you, but he already knows. He knew that Sihon was going to act crazy. He knew that Israel would, would go to war. Look at verse, I'm still in, in Numbers 21, Numbers 21 and... Verse 31, how many have your Bibles? What if you meet the devil? You don't have your sword. Don't have anybody to put it on the screen for you. What you going to do? Bring your Bible. What if I'm not reading the right thing to you so you can read along? I mean, I would, but. Thus Israel dwelt in the land of the Amorites, and Moses sent to spy out Jazer, and they took the villages thereof and drove out the Amorites that were there. And they turned and went up by the way of Bashan and Og. Og. That'd be a good name for a kid. We'll call him Oggy. And the king of Bashan went out against them, he and all of his people, to the battle at Edri. And the Lord said unto Moses, Fear him not. For I have delivered him into thy hand and all of his people and his land, and thou shalt do to him as thou didst unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, which dwelt at Heshbon. So they smote him and his sons and all his people until there was none left him alive, and they possessed his land. How many of you know, probably a Sunday school teacher know this, how, how, how many of you know why they were afraid of Og? Any Sunday school teachers know? I'm not going to call on you, but I'll, even if you raise your hand, I'll just say, well, praise the Lord. Okay. You're not going to take a chance. Do you know why, Sister Grant? Do you know, where's Brother David? Do you know Brother David? If you guys don't, wait a minute, you just looked it up on a smartphone or something. You didn't? I'll give you my salute. Uh, smart cookie. He was a giant. 
He was a giant. He was a giant. You say, well, how giant was he? Well, let me read this to you. Had an article about him. Who was Og, king of Bashan? I believe it's Deuteronomy 3 and 3. I know it talks about battles with Og. But it, it says that he was a very large man. His bed was of iron and was of enormous size. His bed was nine cubits long and four cubits wide. Thirteen and a half foot long and six foot wide. He, he was estimated to be at 10 to 11 feet tall. And he was from a group of people who were called the, the Rephates or Rephaim. And it was a group of people who lived in Canaan. They lived elsewhere at the time of Moses and Joshua. Their name literally means the terrible ones. And this article says that, that when the spies were sent out and reported the land was populated by giants, this bunch is the one that they saw. Can you imagine, can you imagine going to battle with a guy that was 11 foot high? Boy, think what he could do in, in the NBA. I don't even know how tall the basket is. Probably just stick his head up through the net. But Israel still defeated him. God brought them into battle with this, this booger. And he did it because it was his will. Now, Bashan, verse 11 let me read, let me read I'm, I'm jumping over, Joshua 13 and 10. And all the cities of Sihon, king of the Amorites, which reigned in Heshbon, unto the border of the children of Ammon and Gilead, and the border of the Gersherites and the Mathites, wow, and all Her Mount Hermon and all Bashan unto Salca. All the kingdom of Og and Bashan, which reigned in Ashtaroth and Idri, who remained of the remnant of the giants, for these did Moses smite and cast them out. The kingdom of, of Og was taken over by the tribe of Manasseh, but it was very famous. It was famous for having the best timber anywhere around there. Maybe you've heard the terms the oaks of Bashan. It also had the, the best breed of cattle, the bulls of Bashan and the rams of Bashan. It was very famous, very rich country. There were some famous people that came from there after the Israelites took it over. One was Mizpah, one was Jephthah, and there was a little country boy from a little little community called Thisbe, and his name was Elijah the Tishbite, and he was a very, very famous prophet. But they had to kill these giants. Joshua 24 and 8, and here's what the Lord says. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan, and they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against, and sent and called Balaam, the son of Baor, to curse you, 
but I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed you still. You remember Balaam, Balaam's donkey, who's riding the donkey. And finally, the, the donkey sees an angel, and Balaam starts beating the donkey. And the donkey says, dude, I've been serving you for years. That would have got my attention. Not the servitude, but the talking donkey. That would have got my attention. Well, Balaam was so mad, he didn't think it was that remarkable. I don't know if you have pets that talk to you. I don't. And, and don't want any. But that's what brought on this, this king of Moab calling for a prophet, but even the prophet had to bless Israel. Sometimes the Lord brings us to a situation. Sometimes the Lord brings us to a situation. Have you been in a situation the Lord's brought to are you, are you in one right now? Have you ever been in a, ever been in a situation where you've prayed, you've fasted, you've worried, you've read the Word of God, and finally maybe you've never been there. You ever seen? And you just you're so perplexed, you just go sit in the swing and suck your thumb. Now I don't suck my thumb, but I do sit in the swing. And I and I and I've had to take a step back and say, "Now, Lord, <laughs> I trust you. I know that you know what's going on, but I'm gonna have to tell you, I don't know what's going on." Sometimes the Lord brings us to that situation. Sometimes we bring ourselves. I won't go into it into great detail, but I have I have had to do some marriage counseling down through the years, and I am really horrible at it. Sister Grant's very good. I'm very bad. She's really good at it. I'm really bad at it because I do my counseling usually on the front end. See, I have people come talk to me, wonderful young people or older people, and they have stars in their eyes. Oh, I love them. I love them. I love them. Does he have a job? No, oh, but I love him. Oh, oh, oh. Has he got a plan? But no, but he's so wonderful. He's so good. He's so nice. Does he have a plan to get a job? Well, no, but he's just the greatest guy. And, and there are great guys that don't have jobs and don't have a plan and don't have a plan to get a job. They got your their plan. You are their plan. And then I and then I go down through different things. Okay, well, 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 what about this? Oh, it just made me feel so good. Well, what do you know about them? Oh, I don't know anything, but I'm pretty sure they're wonderful. Do you? Do you? I mean, I am no fun at all. I'm fun at all. We had a guy hanging around here who was talking to one of our girls, and he'd already been been divorced, and and uh, I asked him why she get a divorce. And he just glossed over that. Come find out he'd already been married twice and got two divorces and was looking for a third girl. And I did a little research and found out that he beat one of his wives up pretty good and put her in the hospital. I don't like men who beat up women. 
I distinctly remember telling one fine, strapping young lad, the next time that you get upset and you feel like you want to beat on somebody, why don't you call me? Because I've got some frustrations too. And I can fight better than your wife can. You say, Brother Grant, was that Jesus? No, no, that was me. But I really, I really don't, I, I really, or, I mean, it go, and it goes both ways. It goes both ways. I, I literally count, counseled, <laughs> tried to cancel. I had dinner with the young fellow. Oh, I love her, Brother Grant. I love her. I said, do you know, and I went through to her. I said, do you know that she hears voices? Oh, yeah, I know. I, know, but I, I said, uh, no, no, I'm talking about she hears voices a lot. We don't know who it is, and we don't know what they're saying. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? He said, I just love her. <laughs> I love her. I love Sister Grant. I love you enough. I'd marry you again. We'll get divorced and get married again if you want to. That'd be fun. But when we get a divorce, before we get married again, and you say, well, honey, there's something I've been wanting to tell you. I was sitting there on the swing the other night looking at my flowers, and, and, and a voice spoke to me and said, when he gets up in the morning, tell him to go outside and drink coffee and run over him with your car. It's going to hinder us getting remarried. But did you know this boy married her? And sure enough, they hadn't been married very long. She started hearing voices. And it didn't end well. So my counseling is on the front end. I have, I have good counseling advice. When I have a young couple, I'll say, have you had a fight yet? No, I don't care about love. Have you had a good fight? Have you had an argument? Have you seen them at their worst? Oh, but they're wonderful. You don't need to see them when they're wonderful. You need to see them when they just got a speeding ticket. Or they've got a flat tire. Or somebody just used some hand signals on them. You know, like you know, like people who, who are, are are deaf, they have they talk to you in sign language. What about when somebody's just used some sign language with them? In fact, I say, here's what you need to do. You need to hang around them enough until you find out what's on the inside. Have you seen them in a bad sense? I'm not a good counselor. Sister Grant tells you all the good stuff. All good. Oh, you, you just, <laughs> you just. Mine would be, I tell you what, dude. Before you marry him, get his favorite basketball and punch a hole in it with a knife. Write a smiley face on it and put your hand up in it like a puppet and, and go to a, I love you. See what kind of response that you get. I'm a horrible, horrible counselor. Sometimes we bring ourselves to a situation. I, I love to tell this story about Brother Ewan because I heard him say this one time. He's preaching about coming to the Red Sea. And he said this, if the Lord brings you 
to the bank of the Red Sea, he's going to part the water for you. <laughs> he will work a miracle. He brought you there. But if you bring yourself, he said, you might ought to start looking for a rowboat. Sometimes we bring ourselves. Jonah, chapter 1 and verse. Now, I've got written down here Jonah 1 and 17, but I'm, I find myself reading all the verses before that. Start with one. Now, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. How would you react if the Lord were to speak to you in an audible voice? Or, or very loudly in your heart. I've had the Lord speak to me, and I'm, sometimes I'm so excited. Oh, oh, oh. Sometimes I'm terrified. Sometimes he speaks to me, and I know it's the Lord, and I just go, oh, oh, no. The Lord spoke to me at a meeting one time to go apologize to a preacher. And I wasn't wrong. He was wrong. Bless God. I wouldn't apologize to him anyway because you know when it's the Lord. The Lord spoke to Jonah. I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee <laughs> under Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Oh, there you go. Hey, we'll go down here a little bit. Not the Lord won't get us down here. Oh, he will get you wherever you go. He is everywhere. Went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with him to Tarshish. One of the reasons he did this, as the children of Israel, hated the Ninevites. They were enemies. But the Lord sent out a great wind under the sea. There was a mighty tempest, and I'm skipping through. The mariners were afraid cried every man unto his God, cast forth the wares that were in the ship to lighten it. But Jonah was going down on the side of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. You know he went down there fast asleep wasn't calling on his God because he knew what the problem was. He was the problem. An evangelist couldn't get away with the things that, that I do. Uh, but when you're the pastor, you just kind of, you're here, you're everywhere. But I was talking to a young couple in my office who were having tremendous financial problems. And the subject of tithing came up, and I said, well, you hadn't paid tithes in six months. And the wife says, what? You haven't been paying tithes? No wonder we got financial trouble. So he already knew what the problem was. Jonah knew what the problem was. These mariners woke him up and said, Tell us, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What's thine occupation? Where'd you come from? What's your country? What people? And he said in verse 12, Take me up and cast me forth on the sea, so that the sea shall be calm. For I know for my sake this great tempest is upon you. So they took Jonah <laughs> 
cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased her raging. Don't you hate being the problem? In our marriage, I'm always the problem. I'm even the problem when, can I get an amen? Amen. That's just, that is, that is the truth. I don't like being a problem. Sometimes I think I'm not, and then I found out I, I was already. I still was and still am. I, I tell some things repeatedly, and it's not that I have Alzheimer's or part-timers. It's just they're so good I like to tell them. And there's some people here that wouldn't have heard it. But a preacher years ago, his name was John Kershaw, and according to my wife and her mother, he was the most one of the most handsome preachers there has ever been. He preached in Jackson, and, and she was, of course, she was a young, young girl. But her and her mama say, "Oh, we love to watch Brother Kershaw preach." I said, "You mean you like to hear him? Oh, we like to watch him preach." <laughs> but he said this. He said that his wife loved pottery, different kinds, Indian pottery. And they were on the side of the road buying some genuine Indian pottery. And he said, I turned a piece of it over on the bottom, and it said, made in China. He was a great preacher. But he looked at the audience, and he said, every major storm that I've ever been in, if I pick it up and turn it over and look at the bottom it says made by Kershaw. We make a lot of our storms. If I, if I could change my nature, I would be not so hard-headed. Is anybody here tonight that's hard-headed? No. I'm hard-hearted. Stubborn. Stubborn. And then when I'm proven wrong, I eventually give in a... <laughs> I hate being wrong. Sometimes you just got to give it up. Verse 17, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Reckon what kind of fish it was. Now I've heard, I've heard scientists say, well, the Bible's not true because it couldn't have been a whale, because a whale couldn't have swallowed him. Because whales, their little throats are very small because they eat plankton. The Bible didn't say it was a whale. It says a great fish. And it was a special fish because the Lord prepared it. I don't know what kind of fish it was. It might have been, maybe it was a grouper. How many of you know what a grouper is? How many of you never heard of a grouper? You wouldn't know a grouper from a groupie. How many of you know what a groupie is? I might be don't know nothing. All right, there. Okay. A grouper actually is an ocean fish. It looks like it looks like a it looks like a bass, only gigantic. And the older they get, they have all kind of stuff growing on them, and they look pretty ugly. But they're, I think they're good to eat. Did you know those groupers? And I, I just read this about groupers today. They can get up to 800 pounds. In fact, there was one recorded that caught, the guy caught it, and we finally wore it down. It was bigger than the boat. They're gigantic. 
You know what the largest kind of grouper is? <laughs> you know what its other name is? I'm not making this up. Because, number one, I wouldn't. Goliath grouper. <laughs> its other name is Jewfish. <laughs> hey, it may have been a grouper. Because I'm telling you, Jonah was swallowed by a Jewfish. I tell you, y'all not going to give me anything. That's pretty good right there. <laughs> a Goliath. A Goliath Jewfish. <laughs> Jonah 2 and 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. I don't, I don't know what it's like, but he's in the fish's belly. He's got a little room. Got a little. <laughs> Not a coal oil lamp. Probably had some electric eels in there. You know, see? You know, a little hot plate. He's in there. Maybe he's eating some beef jerky. I don't know what he's eating. But he was in there for three days. The Lord prepared him. He's riding around in this fish. He said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell I cried. You weren't in hell, Jonah. You was in a fish. You just felt like you was in hell. Thou heardest my voice, for thou cast me into the deep in the midst of the sea. The floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Verse 5, the waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The death closed. The weeds were wrapped about my head. What weeds? Seaweed. He's in this nasty fish with seaweed all over his head. That's good enough for you. Should have gone down. Whose fault was this? It was Jonah's fault. Now, the Lord either already knew he was going to do it, or when he sent the storm, he prepared a fish. I don't know how he convinced the fish. He is the Lord God Almighty. Hey, come here. Hey, you. Big one. Ugly. Come here. Open your mouth. Need to work on you a little bit. I'm getting you ready. You're going to have some company. It's a breacher. And he's going to be in there in a while. The, the Lord can put you in a situation where you will pray. Now, you might be <laughs> down the bottom, <laughs> bottom of the ocean in a nasty fish's mouth. You look over there and you see some kind of bait fish over there. And you're looking at it and said, dude, what would you do to get put in here? I don't know, but I know it was bad. He got tired of that seaweed, and he cried out to the Lord. In verse 10, the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Jonah even made that fish sick. <laughs> Bradley Smith was preaching here years ago. He pastors a great church in Dayton, Ohio, but he is our assistant pastor. A little skinny thing. I can still see him. Big Coke bottle glasses. He looked like he weighed 75 pounds. Whirling around, he said, Jonah made that fish sick, and he spit him out of his mouth, and he slid up to the gates of Nineveh. I said, well, Bradley, at dinner, I said, Bradley, 
You know, history says that Nineveh was 40 miles inland. You think he spit him all the way to the gates? He said, he must have been sliding on that seaweed. First Corinthians 16 and 9 says this. For a great door and a, an effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. There are always opportunities. And there's, a, and there's an open door. But there's always going to be adversaries. I think one of one of the things that we do in life is we try to protect our children. We try to protect our our grandchildren. How many of you how many of you read on the news, read on Breitbart about that little baby falling off that cruise ship? That hurt that hurt me. And I'm a tough I'm a tough old coot. I am. I'm a tough old coot. Every time they draw blood for me, I just pat them on the shoulder. And I say, "Good job." That was that's when you can't hardly feel it. When it's, when it's a bad job, I just don't say anything, or for fun, I just scream. <laughs> that makes it a lot more fun for the people out there in the waiting room who they're fixing to get stuck. <laughs> I read that article, and I just, just I saw a little picture of a little child, year and a half old, 18 months. Both grandparents were on that cruise ship, and the parents. Can, can you imagine? Now, the first, the first account that I read said the grandfather set the child up in front of a window thinking the window was closed, but it was an open air. It was open window, and the baby went on out. That's the first account. But the second one that I read, that after some investigation, that baby was in a general pool area on that ship with a bunch of kids and a bunch of babies. And one of the it, it the child liked to go to hockey games with his father and, and liked to beat on the glass. Thought that was cool. And they think that's what the baby was doing was beating on the glass and right out, twelve or fourteen stores to the ocean. None of you can ever go on a cruise ship, ever, ever. And if you do, don't tell me you're going until you get back. And if you do, you leave all the kids here with me. Well, Sister Grant, <laughs> I, can't, I can't protect you from everything. We can't protect our children from everything. And this is a hard old world. It's a mean old world. There's always going to be people who try to keep you from living for God. There's always going to be there's always going to be that circumstance. But in the middle of all of that doesn't matter doesn't matter about fiery serpents. It doesn't matter about complainers. <laughs> My pastor brother Kraft. He always had the he always had the sweetest way with people. Everybody everybody loves him. Everybody loves him. 
he's just very lovable. <laughs> the lady told him one time, said, I don't want to come to the FPC. I don't want to come to that church. There's too many hypocrites in that church. And his sweetest smile, he said, oh, darling, come on, that'll be okay. One, one more is not going to hurt anything. Come on, one more ain't going to hurt anything. <laughs> I don't even know if she realized what he said. But he could tell you things like that and say it so sweetly and so kindly, you couldn't, you couldn't disagree with it. Truth is, the church is made up of people who are just people that love the Lord. Amen. Let's stand together. Would you mind praying for us while we're gone? Pray for Sister Grant because if it's raining, I'm going to have to drive. And as I explained to a Texas state trooper a few months back, he pulled me over on 146. <laughs> he walked up there and he says, sir, are you are you okay? I said, yeah, are you okay? How are you doing? <laughs> he started laughing. He said, well, the reason I stopped you, you're kind of all over the road. I said, yeah, I haven't been drinking. I'm just not a good driver. Not that good a driver. <laughs> I get looking at the saner. Oh, here we go. I'm going to get, get back. So pray for Sister Grant because it's bad weather. I'm going to have to drive. And she is so wonderful. You know what she did? You know what she did? You remember me complaining about my favorite dessert that she changed the ingredients? She went back to the original. And it is wonderful. And so some complaining works. But pray for her because little things, you know, run, run off the road or brake lights in front of us and she doesn't think that I see them. And she screeches like a screech owl. <laughs> what? What? So pray for her. Pray for me. Pray for Brother Buddy's family and, and Beth. And Amen. Amen. I sure do love you. I feel very paternal. He said, well, what does that mean? Well, that means I feel like you're my children. He said, well, you're, you're too old to be my daddy. Well, I'm then your grandpa. I'm good with grandpa-isms, too. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your hand of protection. Thank you that you guide us every step every step of the way. We trust you, Lord. I ask you, Lord, to comfort Brother Buddy's family, Sister Beth's family, touch Sister Christian with a healing touch, comfort Rosie and Blackie. Then such a difficult transition time of his life. Bless that little sweet Cessna, baby. We got a whole bunch of them. Give us some more. Give us two or three more. Wouldn't that be fun? In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Of course, Amen. That'd be fun. Have little twin boys when you've only got two or three. That'd be just awesome. God bless you. You're dismissed.
Brother Myers, could I have just one second? 